Take your Bibles and turn them in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able. James chapter 1, last week uh, we preached on the, uh, about, the, uh, about the trials, the trials that we face, how that uh, the Lord uh, allows the trials or even brings trials into our lives in order to help us to grow, to help us to grow spiritually. And you're not going to grow a lot without some trials in your life. It's going to be part of it. You're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or headed towards one in your life. And tonight we're going to look at something that is very similar to it. And a lot of people classify it together, but it's really not. And I want us to look at this. Look with me verse 12. It says, Blessed is a man that endureth, look at the word there, temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with the evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I went ahead and add verse 17 in there because it's important that we understand that the good things come from God. And we need to understand that in our lives. And, and then when we're facing difficult situations, the good things are going to come from the Lord. Well, look back with me in verse 13. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, The Battle of Temptation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking that you'd meet with us. Lord, I know folks are tired. Lord, it's been a little warmer day today. Lord, nice day. We thank you for that, Lord. But I know people are busy. So I pray, Lord, you'd give them the ability, Lord, to listen. Pray, Lord, that it be a, we could be timely. Lord, I pray most of all that uh, what we have to say, Lord, will be a blessing, encouragement, and strength to every person here for this. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. There's a story told of a man who said, hey, listen, he said, I'm going to, he had some extra weight like some of us do. You know, you got that winter weight comes on, you know, it's the winter's fault and uh, you got to stay warm. And so he decided one day, he said, I'm going to lose some weight. He told his coworkers, I'm going to lose some weight. And he said, here's how I'm going to start out. He said, every day I bring donuts to work and I eat donuts every day. He said, so I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit stopping at the donut shop on my way. It's on my way to work. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop at the donut shop. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you all that so that you can keep me accountable. Well, it lasted for two or three days. And one day he come walking in, he's holding a big bag of donuts. And they said, what's going on? He said, you're not going to believe this. And they said, you brought donuts. I thought you weren't supposed to eat donuts. He said, these aren't just ordinary donuts. They said, well, they're not. He said, no, these are holy donuts. These are God-given. These are not your ordinary donuts. And they said, what do you mean? He said, there I was. He said, I knew that I needed some strength. He said, as I've been driving by that, that donut shop every day, he said, in that window, they take those donuts, they set them in the, in the window, and they, they display all those fresh donuts. He said, oh, every kind. He said, you got the, the cream-filled ones. He said, you got the glazed ones. He said, you got the, the ones with the sprinkles. He said, you got the, like Patty's favorite, the yum-yums, and you got all these different ones that, down through there. He said, man, there's all kinds of donuts. He said, and I knew. He said, I have to drive by there. He said, and I always look over. He said, so I, today he said, I told the Lord, said, Lord, give me strength and help me, Lord. I'm going to trust you. 
He said, I prayed, Lord, on the way there, he said, give me strength. He said, if you want me to eat a donut, he said, you give me a parking spot right in front of the donut shop. They looked at him. He said, what are you looking at me for? He said, God answered prayer. He said, I drove around that donut shop eight times before there's a parking spot there. He said, but they finally opened up one. I said, I got a parking spot. He said, these are godly donuts. You know, like that man, we sometimes we try to spiritualize our temptation and why we fail to that temptation. We begin to try to explain why we fell into the temptations and did what we know that we really should have in our lives and we begin to blame it on something else or try to spiritualize it. Each of us are going to face temptation. As long as we're alive, the only place that there is no temptation in this world is at the graveyard. For life brings temptation. There is temptation. It doesn't matter what your age is. Even little children, you see in, within them, even the temptations that they have of seeing a piece of candy or something that they want when they're not supposed to have it. Temptation is something that's going to come to in every person's life. It's a spiritual battle. It's part of the spiritual battle that we've all got to face if we're going to grow in the Lord, grow in grace, grow spiritually, temptation is going to be there. And so we've got to figure out how we're going to handle this. But we're to bring the honor and glory to the Lord. James right here, as I said, speaks of trials in the beginning, which we preached on last week. But now he drops down a little ways and he's talking about temptations that we're going to face. The Bible tells us that the same event, be it either a trial or temptation, is something that's going to happen in our lives. And actually, the fact is, is that it can be, the Bible says you can have, in, a same, in the same event, you can have the same thing, either a trial or a temptation. What we don't understand is that sometimes the things that are trials that the Lord allows in our lives or brings into our lives can turn into a temptation. You say, well, preacher, I thought you said that God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't. He may try you. The difference is, is that a trial is created or allowed by God while temptation is an enticement to do evil that comes from the devil and his demons. It's an invitation to disobey and rebel against God and that Satan might stifle your spiritual growth and keep you from growing in the glory of God. A trial is designed to develop you. But a temptation is designed to defeat you. Get that down. A trial is designed or allowed by God to build you up, to strengthen you. But a temptation is designed and developed by Satan and his ways and his means to defeat you. And so there's a vast difference between the two. And sometimes we confuse the two together. See, Satan wants to defeat you. 1 Peter 5, 8, we're all familiar with that. It says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you with the temptation. He wants to, to pull you away. You need to understand that Satan wants to turn every trial in your life into a temptation in order to defeat you and drag you down. 
You say, well, preacher, I don't quite understand how that's working. You're talking about a trial becoming a temptation and that God doesn't have anything to do with the temptation. He doesn't. Now, he may allow, and I'll talk about this later, but he may allow the temptation. But he never tempts us. If you go back to Adam and Eve, there was a tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree and the command from God not to eat of that tree that was in the garden was a trial. God did not entice them to eat of that. It was a trial. But then you get over to Genesis chapter 3, and you find that Satan comes along, and now he is tempting. He begins to build up what it can make by telling lies. It can make you wise. It can make you like God. It can, and God's withholding from you, and, and God's cheating you, basically. And so he begins to tempt the woman to eat of that tree. There's a major difference there. The trial was to stand strong and, and to look at it as God would look at it and, and to be obedient unto God. Now you've got a temptation. Somebody's coming along and prodding you, trying to convince you, trying to get you to take that step, trying to tell you lies to get you to do something that you know that you're not supposed to do. That's temptation. It would be like this. Sometimes in people's lives, let's, say, let's use this one for example, a person goes through financial struggles. They're going through a financial struggle. They don't have, they're really having trouble with their money. They don't have enough money to pay the bills. So what do they do? They, they, they think, well, I need to save money. I need to do this in order to pay these bills and everything. So one of the first things they do is they quit tithing. Okay. Now, the trial was, maybe from God, what are you going to do when I've commanded you to tithe and things get real tight? That's the trial. But the temptation comes along, I'm going to quit. Satan says, you can't pay your bills. You better quit tithing. You're going to need this money to buy gas. You're going to need this money to buy electricity. You're going to need this money for, and he lists all these things. You can't afford to tithe. Can I tell you something I've always told people when we get to talk about that in my office sometime when the subject comes up? And I don't, man, you, you know me, I don't preach on tithing. I, my preacher told me, he said one time, and I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it sometimes like this in a, in a message, but my preacher told me one time, and I believe this is true, you keep the sheep good and healthy, and they'll give a good coat of wool. That's not from me, that's from Brother Parker. And I've seen that happen over and over and over again through the years. But I don't want to rob you by not teaching and preaching on tithing because you need to know that. But a person that says, okay, I, I, and, 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 and I've dealt with this in my office, I, I, I literally have them say, well, I can't afford to tithe, preacher. And I look them right in the eye and say, I can't afford not to. It may not be what you put in the bank, what you don't have to take out of the bank. And so it turns, Satan comes along and he whispers in their ear and begins to tell them, well, you need, the first thing you need to do, if you're going to pay your bills, you're going to have to quit tithing. The trial just turned to a temptation. 
Here's one that happens a lot today. They can't pay their bills. They're they're struggling with the finances. And you go up and and you're standing at the checkout at the gas station trying to buy a soda. And and they're standing there buying lottery tickets. Because they're going to hit it big. And going to have all kinds of money then. And all they're doing is blowing what little money they've got away. And the devil is, is laughing and sticking them farther and farther in debt. Bringing them farther and farther down. Having damage in their lives. And so there's a difference between a trial and a temptation. The trial is to build us up. Temptations don't come from God. The temptation comes from Satan. And we'll deal with that a little bit more here. But it's to defeat you, to bring you down spiritually. Okay? So Satan wants to defeat you. He wants to destroy you with the temptation. Temptation is different, as I said, from the trials. It is the source. It's the pur- and its purpose, its outcome, its temptation is to work, is the work of the enemy from the beginning to the end. It's him working on you. God doesn't tempt you. He tests you. He tries you so that we'll be stronger. He may even allow Satan to tempt you as part of of our spiritual development. Say, wait a minute. You said that he don't tempt you. He don't. But he may allow Satan to go ahead and tempt you. He could stop him. Say, well, I need an example of that. Did you ever hear of Job? Satan came to God and he said, God said, have you considered my servant Job? An upright man that feareth God and sheweth evil. And the old devil says, you let me, you let me do this and you touch everything he's got. And he said, he'll curse you to his face. God says, okay, but don't touch him. He goes out and destroys everything he's got. Tempting Satan to curse God. Comes back and God says, have you considered my servant Job who feareth God? An upright man that sheweth evil. And even though you've moved against him, he still holdeth integrity, basically. He doesn't curse me. He goes on and he says, yeah, but he said, you, you touch his flesh. You do this, you do that. And we see the temptation. We know what goes on and as he does all these things to Job. But God would not allow him to kill Job. And he, would, he, would, he put a boundary on what he could do. Now, it wasn't God that was tempting Job, but God allowed Satan to do that. Why? To bring Job forth as gold, tried in the furnace of adversity, that he might have a testimony for you and I to see how we're to go through trials and temptations when Satan has moved against us. And so Satan moves against us in temptations, and sometimes, yes, God does allow it, but God never invites us. Now listen to it. This is important. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this. God never, never, never invites us to do wrong. Never. Satan does continually. James chapter 1 verse 13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, he is, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God won't cause you to sin. And the devil, here, hang on here. And the devil 
can't make you sin. What? God won't tempt you to sin, and God won't, won't cause you to sin, and Satan cannot make you sin. But he can tempt you in such a way to try to get you to sin, and the outcome is up to you if you cooperate with it. That's where we get in trouble. There's a process of temptation. Look with me there in verse 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It begins with desire. The word lust means strong desire to dominate your thinking. When a person is, and, and let me say this, most desires, not all, but most desires come from a God-given desire as God created us. But then Satan tries to take the desire, turn it to lust, and try to use it against you and me to pull us out that he might entice us. He wants us to lust. When you begin to think on the, the things with the wrong type of desire, when you begin to manipulate the desire, when you begin to feed the desire the wrong things, then you, are in, then you are drawn away. You're drawn away from what? You're drawn away from the standard of God. You're drawn away from the word of God. You're drawn away from, the, from the, the hand of God. And then you are in a position that Satan then can entice you. Stand up here, White. Stand up over there, Levi. Turn around this way facing him. Here's what's happening. In order for Satan to get to you, he's got to get you past what God has placed in your life. There is the Holy Spirit. There is the Word of God. And there is the love of God that God continually tries to use in our lives to direct us. So what happens is, is he's got to get you from there to this side. But he can't do that. But here's what happens. Because you've been feeding your mind with Hollywood, with the junk on, on the internet, maybe with the wrong magazines and wrong music, maybe because you're sitting around idly and thinking on things, before long, you have moved past God's plan for the desires in your life and now you desire, which may have been a godly desire, has turned to an ungodly desire, which is a lust. You are now on the outside, and Satan sees that, he knows that, and he begins to entice you now. What we got to realize is that when the enticement is this, it's just like some of us in here, we like to fish. Right, Cy? Cy's got... Lures, he's got everything. I mean, uh, he'll drag the kitchen sink through the water if he thought he could catch something on it. <laughs> he's got all kinds of lures. He fishes a little while with this one. If it don't do no good, he gets a death one. And what he's doing, he's trying to dangle it in front of the fish enough so they say, I like that one. That's enticement. 
That's like the man driving by the the donut shop every day. And what did he do? He looked at the donuts in the window every day. You say, well, preacher, what could he do? He had to go to work, find another route. Find another route. So that the enticement's not there. And what happens in our lives is once we get past the standard of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, because of what we are thinking, because of our desire that we have let get overwhelmed with the wrong type of desire, it turns to lust. Lust draws us out. So then Satan says, aha, and he begins to entice you because he's wanting to lead you to the next step. And the next step in your scripture there says what? After you've been enticed, what? It bringeth forth what? Sin. And so it takes you a little bit farther. And that is the actual, actual doing of whatever that desire was that is against what God, that lust that Satan enticed you to do. And so Satan is working constantly, thank you fellas, constantly waiting for you and me to get past the things of God with our desire so that he can entice us. That is the temptation. When the temptation comes, that enticement is the temptation where he begins to work. And the next step down, that temptation is taken as that desire is fulfilled and fueled by Satan's enticement leads us to the disobedience, which is sin. Sin produces death for the, for the lost. that one day will be an eternal death in a lake of fire. But now there's a deadness in their hearts about towards the things of God and makes their hearts hardened towards God, makes their hearts hardened towards the things of God. But as for the Christian, when we come out from the, those things and, that, and lust uh, uh, begins to take over and we're enticed and we, we step into sin and sin brings forth death, it brings forth a deadness in our spiritual lives. It brings a deadness in our spiritual growth. It, brings, uh, it gets between us and God so that we do not have the fellowship, we do not have the sweetness with God that we once had. There's a deadness there. There's a coldness there in our spiritual lives. Satan is trying to conquer us. Well, consider the, course, the, the source of these temptations. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, or chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness, now listen to it, to be tempted of the devil. Number one tempter is Satan. We've already talked about that. We realize that. Oh, yeah, I understand that. If Satan will tempt the Son of God, I guarantee you he'll tempt you and me. I guarantee you he will. After salvation, Satan knows he's lost the battle in your life for your soul. So now he's after your, your spiritual walk. He's after your relationship in fellowship with God. He's after to stop you from being a testimony for God. And so he wants to destroy that. He doesn't want you to live for God. He doesn't want you to serve God. He doesn't want you to be that testimony for God. So he's got to try to draw you out and tempt you and get you into sin to bring deadness in your spiritual life. We need to understand that a born-again Christian, by the way, cannot, listen to me, cannot, cannot be possessed by Satan. Now, a lost person, and I'm not going to get into this tonight, but a lost person can be possessed. But a Christian can be tempted. We need to understand that a born-again Christian, we have a nature. 
And the initial thought to do evil is not always from us. Huh? Yeah. The initial thought for you to do evil, to do wrong, does not always come from you. In fact, many times it comes from Satan. Now, we cannot be controlled or possessed, but we can, he can plant thoughts within our hearts and minds in different ways. You ever, have you ever been driving down the road or thinking about something, and all of a sudden something comes across your mind, and you're like, oh, where did that come from? It wasn't in your spiritual nature as a born-again Christian who loves God to think that thing or to say that in your mind. It was like, whoa, where did that come from? Most of the time, those things like that come from Satan. Why? Because he is checking the doors, trying to rattle your door so that he can get you to step out so he can entice you. It's like this. If he can't get in to your heart and mind, he can rattle your door. Now, if you're on the other side of the door and you didn't know anybody was out here, and somebody walks up here and goes, guess what? They have your attention. Now, what they do with that, who knows? Some places, if you did that, you better step back because there could be a big boom sound. You hear it for a second. Then you'd be laying on the ground. You wouldn't hear anything for the rest of the day, the rest of your life. But he will rattle the door. You know why? He walketh about seeking whom, what's the next word? He may devour. So he has to rattle the door to see if you'll open it. To see if you'll open the door. So how does he do that? That rattling is putting thoughts in your mind to get you to think that it was you. And even to get you to begin to think upon that and embellish it and build it and keep on building it. Do you know what that creates? Lust. Preacher, when that thought comes through, is that sin? No. Not unless you take a hold of it and you begin to think upon it and you begin to embellish it and then it becomes lust. But one of the best things you could ever do when that comes through is say, Lord, cleanse my mind. Forgive me wherever that come from. We'll get into some other things about that too, but the fact is that came from Satan. Now, not all of it does. Sometimes your old flesh, which did not get saved when you got saved, 
rears up its ugly head and, and creates thoughts. But most of them, I will have to say, comes from a different direction. You, you see studies and, and know that, you know, you see, it's like this. If I'm, gonna, if I'm a football coach and I've got to play a team, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch film after film after film after film, and I'm going to study them and find out what they do under this certain defense, find out what they do under this certain pressure, see how they handle this certain type of offense, and I'm going to study them. If I've got to play somebody in basketball and they've got a real good ball player, we did this uh, uh, sometimes when I was in high school. Our coach would take us to watch a ball team play so we would f get familiar with what they would do under certain circumstances. Satan and his demons study you. They watch you. They know your tendencies. And listen, they know your weaknesses. They know your weaknesses. And every person in this room, including this preacher, has weaknesses. Every person in this room, there's areas, there's tendencies that could cause you to yield to temptation. And so that's what the plan is, okay? We see that this is a weak spot in our area. That's where we will tempt him. That's where we will try to attack. That's where we will try to bring him down and try to, uh, to, to work on him. They say, well, preacher, we don't have a chance then. Oh, yes, we do. The good news is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. In every temptation, listen to me, and you need to get a hold of this, and I need to get a hold of this. In every temptation... There's a door, and God's put an exit sign over the top of it. Every temptation. Not just some of them, but every single temptation that you or I will ever meet, God has placed a door. Even though he is not the one tempting you, he steps in and says, I'll not allow you to tempt them above what they're able to hand, handle. And then on top of that, I'm going to put a way of escape. And he puts a door there with an exit sign over the top of it so that you know that you can get out of it. What our problem is? Most of the time, we don't look for the exit sign. We don't look for the exit sign. Whether it be because we don't think that we can get out, whether it's because we're just not looking, or maybe because we like what we're in. Uh-oh. But in every temptation, he says, I'm going to give you a way out. This world system also, not just Satan, will tempt you, and he's our enemy. But this world, its system, is our enemy. This world is part of Satan's system. In 1 John chapter 2, and verse 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The world has an intent of bringing you down. Its intent is to remove God from everything and to offer that which is against 
the will of God to you, to offer this, uh, you know, they, they try to find something that is against the will of God. That's what they want to offer you. They're not going to offer you a prayer meeting. They're not going to offer you a Bible. They're not going to offer you uh, a, a fellowship with the Lord. They're not going to offer you a revival. They're not going to offer, offer you a time to hear the preaching. No, they're going to offer you absolutely everything that is against the will of God. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. What do you think it is that when many of us in here were younger, the schools respected Sunday and Wednesday. They wouldn't have ball games. They wouldn't have activities. That was time for people to go to church. But I'm going to tell you something. You look at the calendars and you look at the activities of public schools. And they load them up. I remember years ago down in southeast Missouri, they was going to take the baseball team to a Cardinal ball game. They was going to get to play before the Cardinal ball game. They were going to get to play on the Cardinal baseball field against another high school team right before the Cardinal ball game. Man, that sounds great, doesn't it? But it was on Sunday. And some of the people back then, they said, hey, wait a minute, that's Sunday. We got it covered. We've got a deacon of the church that's going to be there, and he'll give a devotion. Really. I thought Hebrews 10.25 was still in the Bible. Forsake not the sin of yourselves together, such as matter some is. And so what we do is we throw God a biscuit so we can go after our temptation. This world system wants to tear down anything that has anything to do with God. And so when you begin to fall in love with the world, you better watch out because its whole purpose is to bring you down. Oh, preacher, you sound like one of those conspiracy theorists and all that sort of stuff. You sound like a negative person. Tell me what the world can do to better your walk with God. Tell me what you're doing now to better your walk with God. The world. Nothing. And absolutely going the other direction. It seeks to dazzle us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life spoken of in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Then we have another enemy, and that's our flesh, ourselves. Romans, 8, or Romans 7, 18 says, For I know, this is Paul speaking, he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He said, I'm struggle with my flesh. I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, but I struggle with this flesh that still wants to do the things that it did before I got saved. We have the flesh to battle with. That's why we got to learn to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we got to walk with God. So how do we do that? We must prepare and stand for the Lord in this battle that we're talking about that we call temptation. 
In 1 John 4, 4 says, uh, Ye are of God, little children, ye have, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. First of all, you need to realize that if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That means greater than he that is in the world means Satan, means the world, and even your flesh. That God's greater than all that. Holy Spirit. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We've got to resist him. We've got a desire to resist him. We've got a desire to serve God. In order to do that, we must put on Christ. Romans 13, 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not, now listen to this, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let me take you back to a thought about the man and the donuts. But let's change that donut shop to a liquor store. Man gets saved. He's been an alcoholic. And every day he drives the same direction, goes the same place. There's a liquor store there. There's a bar there. And every time he drives by, he looks at it and he thinks about the good times that he had there. And he thinks about his old friends there. He thinks about how he felt when he was down and discouraged. And he'd go in there and he would drink some liquor and he would numb himself from all that. And now he's struggling with his finances and different things and, and still got relationships messed up because of his prior life. And he hasn't got that all straightened out yet. So he's still struggling, even though he's saved. But he keeps going by the same place. What do you got to do? You got to go a different direction. It's like a fellow said one time, he said, you want to give up drinking? He said, yeah, I want to give up drinking. He said, then quit tying your horse up to the saloon. Quit tying your horse up to the saloon. Because you're bringing that temptation right into yourself. You've got, to, you've got to purposely resist Satan. You've got to purposely say, you know what, I'm going to change some things so that I don't have this struggle. And there's got to be some things, and, and you've got to look at the whole situation. What can I change that will keep me away from that situation? And so we've got to look at putting on Christ, a life for him, to live for him, to magnify him, to glorify him. And say, I want to be clothed with Christ. I want, I want him to take control of my life. So we don't make provisions for the flesh. So how do you do that, preacher? Okay. Ephesians chapter 6. I want everybody to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Very familiar portion of Scripture, but I want you to get this, and I want you to think about what I'm going to say. I'm going to finish this up pretty quick here. Ephesians 6, and we'll read, begin reading verse 13. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he goes on and says, stand therefore. And notice what he says. He's, he's putting on Christ. He's putting on. And you can go back and everything here, you can find in the scripture, every one of these represents Christ. Okay? Something about Jesus Christ. I, I'm not going to get into all that tonight. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? 
said, have your loins girt about with truth. It's like a belt. said, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Jesus is the word, by the way. Above all, take unto you the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let me go through these real quick, and we're done. Put on the belt of truth. The unchanging truth of God's word to direct your thinking and your life without compromise. Folks, listen, there is no new gospel. There is no new word of God. There is no new revelation. We've got to stay with the word of God. Stay with truth. Pick up the truth. It's got to be a part of your life. It has to gird you up. Otherwise, it has to hold together uh, uh, your very being, gird you up. He says the breastplate of righteousness, protecting your heart, and love for the Lord and co connecting with the truth of, of God's word by the Spirit of God to lead you into truth so that you don't believe Satan's lies. The Bible says that we're to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, all of it. We're to love him that way. That's the breastplate of righteousness to protect that heart that is to love God and to follow God in righteousness. Put on those shoes of the gospel of peace. These shoes give us peace as we stand for the Lord. When all the, the battles going on around us, when the storm's going on around us, when Satan's trying to knock us down and when the world is trying to pull us down, we're standing there with peace because we're standing with the Lord, the, the peace that God gives us, not the peace that the world gives us. Put on the gospel of peace, keeping our feet near the presence of God and moving forward for his glory. You don't put on shoes just to, just to go nowhere. You put on shoes to go somewhere. We ought to be going for God. We ought to be serving God. We ought to be living for God, going and having a peace that, hey, God's with us all the time. The shield of faith. The shield allows us to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy, such as doubt, discouragement, fear, that would distract us from the battle for the Lord. Faith snuffs out those arrows. Faith in God and in his word. One of the greatest things in our lives is that we need is faith. It's a shield. Because Satan is going to fire those fiery darts at you. And by faith, you're going to trust God. Not become discouraged. The helmet of salvation, helmet protects your brain or your mind, you might say, which for the Christian has to do with your new identity in Christ, a child of God. It reminds you who you represent in this life. That helmet of salvation. Many of the, in, in the, in, in, if you go back in history, you could identify different army groups of different countries by their helmet. They had different types of helmets. Ours is a helmet of salvation. And we are to be identified by our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. And it is to protect us from the doubts of that and to protect us from allowing Satan to get into our heart or into our minds 
We're allowed, we're to, it's to remind us who we represent. Then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a powerful weapon. The Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we're to take that sword. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It's powerful. And oh, how we need to put the word of God in our lives. All of these that I'm speaking of daily, when you get up of a morning, hopefully you don't just hop up. You're in your jammies. You put on your little fluffy bunny house shoes and run to Walmart. God help you. My mom would have killed us. No. You get up. You get dressed for the day. You're ready to go out and do the work, meet the world. Every day, every one of us, listen to me, every day, every one of us, if nothing else, put those on, put every one of those on a card in Ephesians. And carry it with you and read that and remind yourself of what you're going out into the world dressed in. Dress your spiritual man as well as your physical man with these things. You'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil in these difficult days. Jesus himself used the word of God against Satan. If Satan tempted him, we should do likewise. How do you put on armor? By prayer. Praying in the power of the Holy Spirit daily. Verse 18, as he ends up the, the armor of God, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints that we might not fall into Satan's temptations. But when they come, we may find the exit sign that the Lord has placed for us, that we might grow and we might bring honor and glory to his name by that spiritual growth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. Be with us now, Lord, in this time. Lord, have your own way. Lord, maybe we need to find a place of prayer, Lord, and begin to examine our lives. Begin to examine maybe the trials or the temptations that we're in at this moment. And Lord, help us not to allow Satan to get the upper hand. Lord, help us not to be drawn away. But Lord, help us to follow after the Word of God. Help us to follow after the Spirit of God. Help us to walk in the Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and way in every person's life here. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand tonight with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?